Welcome to another Calvary Baltimore B-Side with our senior pastor, Josh Plantholt. B-Sides are a companion to the weekly sermon, giving an in-depth look behind the teaching. Now with running commentary to complement this week's sermon, here's Pastor Josh. Welcome to B-Side. Today we are going to be in Revelation chapter 14. And I am excited. We got some fun stuff, I think. Uh, Before we jump into our text, uh, I want to read you something that was uh, on my heart. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The work of God, the the, the work of God, uh, the, the Bible, you know, it's so important to remember, and I'd imagine most of the crowd I'm talking to right now uh, does remember, that this is not just one book among many. Uh, the, the Word of God is a collection of 66 books, handcrafted and woven to work together by the Creator of the universe, and then gifted to man so that we may know Him. And it's in this book that we are told that the heavens declare the glory of God. And that's so true. Uh, You know, there's a reason. There's a reason why uh, all the way through human history, from every tribe, both small and great, all of them have had some type of faith in the divine, in in the gods uh, of some sort. Because they could look up at the sky and go, okay, there's something bigger than us. Something created all this. So the heavens certainly do declare the glory of God. The scriptures also tell us in Psalm 8 that our children reveal God and and his strength. And and that's, you'll notice a lot of people when they they end up having children, they they realize they need to get in church. (laughs) I think there's a supernatural thing that happens there. Uh, Job 12 tells us that the beasts, the birds, and the fish reveal the handiwork of the Lord. Uh, So when you see a little puppy and they run up to you and they're licking you and rolling around and their tails wagging, this reveals something about God. So there are a thousand ways that we see the existence of God in our everyday lives, but it is in his word that he tells us specifically who he is. It's in his word that we know his name. Uh, It is the word of God that that the the Bible declares as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And it is through the word of God that we are saved. As Paul says, uh, so when faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, faith comes by hearing through the word of God, the word, the the scripture, the Bible. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) God bless me. Oh, I think God... No, I'm good. Uh, and it is along this vein that, that today's passage of Scripture is set. Today, uh, a messenger is going to fly over the whole world and proclaim the Evangelion, the, the good news, the gospel. And why? Because it is the Word of God that has the power to save. It is in His Word And the word of his messengers is through the Holy Spirit. That that faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of God. 
Um, so the, the, today is such an evangelistic passage I want us to dive into here. So let's, um, you know, we read verses 1 through 5 on Sunday. Let's just jump right into verse 6 here. So verses 1 through 5, uh, Jesus uh, is on Zion with his 144,000 marked with the Lamb and, and the Father. Uh, and now verse 6, we're in a to- totally different section seemingly uh but but it's 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 apart but different uh new section of this chapter certainly uh then i saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth if you remember the last time we saw something flying overhead it had the face like an eagle uh so uh, this seems to be different however but some interesting connections um to every nation and tribe and language and people. Now, before we get into our text, verses 6 through 20, uh, verses 6 through... Verses 6 through 20 is going to use the term another angel. Another Angelos six times. So, so there, there is so much angelic activity uh, in our coming verses uh, that I, this is clearly one of the great emphases of uh, of emphases of chapter fourteen. But interesting, however, one of these angels in verse fifteen actually is going to give an order to Jesus. Think about that. One of these angels are going to tell Jesus what to do, which is something you wouldn't think an angel would really be able to do, right? Uh, But this angel is going to tell Jesus to do something. Uh, So it's here I want to remind us that the word angel uh, in the Greek comes from the word angelos, and it simply means a messenger. In in the gospel, Mark, uh, the John the Baptist is called an angelos, a messenger, an angel of God. Uh, in in Revelation chapters one, uh, we see that the angels of the churches are the stars, so angels can be stars. Uh, but then we see in chapters two and three that each church has its own angel. Well, very clearly, if if you're trying to find angels, then you think guardian angels, but if you realize the word means messenger and it's interchangeable, as I just said with John the Baptist, then it can then it obviously means pastors or elders or deacons. So each church had a pastor in charge of it. So the word angel in Revelation and the whole Bible, but but in Revelation, um can mean angels, angel angels, Michael the Archangel, the seven angels before God. Uh, but it also can mean other things. So here we have uh, an angelos, a messenger, that tells Jesus to do something. Now also, remember that there are six of them. And these six messengers form a structure, a chiastic structure in this chapter, around two central figures. Around the Spirit and around the Son, Jesus Christ. So, I could be totally wrong here, 
But these six angels could belong to the seven angels from chapter eight, who seem to be archangels of some sort, angel angels. Uh, but these angel messengers in chapter 14 may also be the seven spirits of God from Revelation chapter one. If these messengers are from the seven spirits, which we're going to get into in a bit, uh, the seven spirits were the Holy Spirit. If these seven mess, if these messengers are the Holy Spirit, it makes a little more sense why he can speak to Jesus in such a manner, because the Spirit is God. Again, this isn't a hill to die on, but these these six angels seem to be very unique from the other angels in this book. They, these messengers seem to be very different from the other messengers, and yet they're deeply connected to the Spirit and Jesus. So, I want I want to pull up a, a little chart here of of uh, our, our text this morning. So, get your uh, looker lookers on here. Come on, come on, screen share. Come on, screen share. Back to me. Back to screen share. What? I am going to lose. Oh, there we go. <clears throat> I was about to lose my temper. Um, okay, so here we are. This is Revelation 14. Here is verse 6. You see my little highlighter. Verse 6. So we have angel 1, or messenger 1, messenger 2, messenger 3. Uh, then we have our central themes here. So we have our, 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 our three messengers from 6 through 12. Then we have in verses 13 and 14, we have the Spirit and we have the Son. And then in verses 15 through 20, we have three more messengers. We have messenger 1, messenger 2 messenger three and again i want you to see the pattern here verse six then i saw another angel a messenger flying directly overhead verse eight again another messenger uh saying fallen uh saying fallen fallen babylon the great is fallen interesting uh the third messenger verse nine and another angel messenger uh and then of course verses 13 and 14 and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds. Follow them. The spirit is a messenger here. Do you see that? Do you see the spirit is the central messenger of these? So it goes three messengers and the center is the spirit as a messenger. And then we see Jesus. So if Jesus gives a message that gives us, you know, the spirit and the son are being messengers. Uh, verse 14, then I looked and behold a white cloud and seated on the cloud, one like the son of man with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. The son never says anything. He's not a messenger here in that regard. Verse 15, and another messenger, uh, this is our, our fourth messenger, verse 15, and another messenger, an angel, came out of the temple, uh, calling out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. So this messenger is now talking to the one who is seated on the cloud. Who's seated on the cloud? One like the Son of Man. This is Jesus. 
Verse 14 is Jesus. Verse 15, this fifth or fourth angel who came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap, for the hour has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. Verse 16, he who sat on the cloud swung a sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. How? How? How is it that this fourth angel can tell Jesus what to do, and then Jesus just listens like he's the messenger? And then we see in, and then we see in uh, verse uh, uh, the fifth angel, uh, and then and then uh, uh, we'll we'll go back here. You got to see it; it's so good. Then we have a messenger five in uh, verse, oh, this should say 17. Whoopsies. Another angel messenger came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Uh, verse uh, number, number um, uh, angel messenger six. And another angel messenger came from the altar, the angel who has authority over the fire. So here we have three angels. We have three angels, again, could be messenger, and dead in the center we have one, the seventh. We have the spirit giving a message. Again, that, that the chiastic structure puts the emphasis on the angel. Now let's do a little Bible work here. Could this be the Holy Spirit? Again, you want to you get to the bottom of things, start asking questions of the scripture. It will help you greatly. <laughs> Revelation 1.1. Let's go to the very first verse of the, the of, of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. So here, Jesus Christ, the Son, which God, there's the Father, gave him to show his servants, this is the church, the things that must soon take place. He, Jesus, made it known by sending his angel. Who is Jesus's angel? Well, I, I think it's this Holy Spirit. To his servant John, John's the prophet of the church, who bore witness to the word of God, there we are, the Father again, and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, there's the Son again, even to all that he saw. So here's, here's how the structure of this goes. Uh, we have the Father, who has the revelation, and he sends it to the Son. The son takes this revelation and sends it to his angel, his messenger. Same word there, angelus. The messenger gives it to the prophet John. The prophet John gives it to the church. I want you to think about the entire Old Testament. I want you to think about the entire New Testament. There's one verse that says that the Torah was administered through angels, um, and, and there's there's an element of angelic activity, I believe. Uh, but when you look at the large theme, we don't take one verse and go, aha. But if we look at the large theme of Scripture, how does this work? The Father and the Son send the Spirit to a prophet to give a word to the people. That's the theme all throughout Scripture. That's, that's Pentecost. The Father... Gives to the son. The son sends the spirit. The spirit anoints the prophets, the the, the 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 apostles. The apostles tell the people to 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 give it to the church, uh, to 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 new converts. 
And now think about this. Well, why is the Spirit then talked about like a messenger, like an angel? Well, think about the Old Testament. Who was the Father's angel in the Old Testament? It was Jesus. He was the angel of the Lord. Remember, he stood, he stood before Balaam with a sword drawn in his hand. He stood at, at right, right before Jericho with, he was ready to do, and, and he appeared and take off your sandal. And it's one sandal. Isn't that fascinating? Uh, you know, and, 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 and there's this, you know, are you with me? Or are you with our adversaries? And he says, no, because he's God. And Joshua's bowing down to him in reverence. And, and the angel doesn't stop him because the angel is Jesus, is God. But the, 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 the father's angel in the Old Testament was Jesus. It makes a whole lot of sense that in the New Testament, the son's angel is the Holy Spirit. He is the sent one with a message from God. Now, I want you to see this, Revelation 1-3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. I want you to notice here, and I'm just going to preach for one second. You're blessed if you hear and who keep what is written in it. It does you no good to hear and to not do anything with it. So again, revelation is something to be applied, not to solve curiosity. For the time is near. There's a theme from Sunday. Uh, uh, soon it's all happening. Greetings to the seven churches. John, uh, John, uh, prophet to the church, to the seven churches. You know what? I think that's a heading I just snuck in here. Whoopsies. <clears throat> Verse 4, John, a prophet, so we have the prophet of the church, to the seven churches. There's the church. So again, just like, just like verse 1, we have the church and the prophet to the church that are in Asia. Grace to you and, and, and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Uh, who's that talking of? The Father. Okay, and of course, it's the Father is a three, is, was, and is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. If we go to Isaiah chapter, uh oh, if we go to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, that's clearly the Holy Spirit who's talked about as a seven, a bootin. Well, I misspelled that one there. Uh, who talked about as a seven, verse five. And from Jesus Christ, the Son, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the rulers of the kings of the earth. All right, so, so here, here's where we're at. Structures matter. Structures matter a whole lot in the Bible. R remember, when, when, when they wrote down papyri, the, the, these words and handed them down, you know, they didn't put underlines uh, under under text. They didn't pull out a highlighter and this is important. The way that they added emphasis in the scriptures is through structure. And, and as you gave yourself truly to look and memorize and and to understand the deep things of God, the structure of the passage starts to illuminate things. What what do we what does the Holy Spirit do? Jeff prayed this on Sunday. The Holy Spirit brings order to chaos. 
The Spirit is deeply interested in the order of things. We know that from the building of the tabernacle, you know, down to the ribbon colors. And the, the Spirit's very ordered. Uh, and he's designed the scriptures this way. God has designed the scriptures this way. But I want you to notice verses one and two. We have we have the son, we have the church, the people, and we have the prophet. In verses three through five, we have we have the people, the church, and the prophet. And then in verses one through uh, one and two, again everything is absolutely identical. We have the Father, we have the Son. In verses three through five, we have the Father, we have the Son. The only discrepancy, uh, if you even want to call it that, uh, between these two sections, Revelation one verses one and two and three through five, uh, is. In 3 through 5, we see clearly that the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and Spirit are sending this word. So it's a Trinitarian book. And then in verses 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit is omitted. Uh, the Spirit, the name word Spirit there is omitted. The, um, but what we have is his angel. So the, the, what we have to figure out is if everything is identical in these two sections... And we have a Trinitarian section, and then in another we have we have his angel, who could easily be described as Jesus's angel, the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it makes sense for us to go, okay, based upon the structure alone, based upon how the Word of God has been given throughout the, the Bible, it makes a lot of sense that the Father gives to the Son, the Son to the Spirit, the Spirit to the leadership of the church, the leadership of the church to the church. And so what, what we can conclude, I, I think, pretty strongly is that his angel is the Holy Spirit. It seems to, again, this isn't a hill we want to die on, but it seems to be pretty clear. Now, I want you to keep this in mind, because as we start going through chapter 14, uh, I, I believe it's going to help us understand some sections a lot better than other sections. That this seems to be the Holy Spirit uh, moving amongst this end times um, world. Which makes sense now, right? Because what does the Holy Spirit do? It leads us to proclaim the eternal gospel. Well, here, it seems if this is the Holy Spirit, this messenger, um, that Jesus has sent his messenger his spirit into the world to proclaim the gospel and again now that also makes this a trinitarian passage because verses 1 through 5 in revelation 14 is of the son and the father well now we have the son the father and the spirit if these seven spirits um are of course the, the holy spirit um let's read verse 7 now again that's a point that i think is going to pay dividends as we keep going through revelation <clears throat> Uh, and he said, this angel, this messenger, and he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Uh, two things here. Uh, we have, we have earth or well, heaven, earth and sea. We have the three tiers of humanity. Um, of course, the, the tabernacle was built into three tiers. Sinai had three tiers. The Garden of Eden had three tiers. <clears throat> Noah's Ark had three tiers. God likes working in threes. Um, 
But here we have, we have the three tiers of heaven. What's really interesting about this though is that it adds springs of waters to it. Uh, because, you know, you think if you have the heaven, the earth, and, and the waters, that covers springs of waters. Uh, but there's a very specific note here, and I, I haven't read anyone who seems to quite understand why God is doing that, uh, but I, I, I would imagine um, this is just showing the all-comprehensiveness of God's rule upon all of, of humanity, not just the bustling coastlands, but even the, 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 the snowy mountain peaks that turn into streams. God is the God of the mountain streams and, and all those sorts of things. I would imagine there's more to this than that, but that's, that's where my head's at. Um, uh, and then secondly, what I want to leave you with here, <sighs> Is I, I want to get back to our theme of God's word. This book is not one book among many. It, it is God's word. And if we are to truly believe, if we are to truly belong to the Father, if we are to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ, then we have to understand that's going to come at a cost. There's a story in, in the gospel of Luke that Jesus says something that I believe we, we all should hear. Uh, Luke 14. Now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, e even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another uh, king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace." So therefore, if any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Wow, that's a tough word, isn't it? You know, if we are to take part in this eternal gospel and be saved from eternal damnation, if this good news is to become our good news, then we have to count the cost. You see, Jesus doesn't just want your stuff, he wants your life. <laughs> He points out in verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now we can read that and think, man, that's really harsh. But Jesus isn't telling us to hate our people. <laughs> in the context, he's telling us that if a husband becomes saved, if a wife becomes saved, if a husband becomes saved, and the wife does not, the spouse does not, and the wife starts to hate what the husband is becoming in Christ. 
If he truly be Jesus' disciple, he will continue to grow in Christ-likeness, regardless of his wife's disdain. Even if the man's children start to hate who he is becoming, the Christian will persist in godliness, no matter who opposes him, even if it's his own wife and children. And then Jesus says, we even have to hate ourselves. And what he means is, are you willing to stand against abortion? Are you willing to stand against homosexuality, even if it costs you your own reputation? Because the person who truly loves Christ, truly loves the Lord so much that it appears as if he hates himself, his own name, his own reputation. You're willing to come to nothing if it advances the gospel. And then Jesus says we must renounce even the things that we own. And what he means is a disciple of Jesus look at their resources first as belonging to the Lord. <laughs> if if it all if it all if 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 the government if someone says listen you either renounce Jesus Christ or we're going to seize your house take it take it I I will not I will not turn from my Lord. And in Revelation chapter 14, the end time church, those who accept this gospel message would immediately become enemies with the world and most definitely would be murdered for their faith. If they counted the cost and chose Christ, it would certainly cost them all of their earthly possessions, even their own lives. Again, they would need to count the cost. And as we in America continue to become a, a post-Christian society, our cost is going to get higher and higher. Did you know that? We need to, and Jesus tells us we need to count the cost. The more our culture disdains Christ, I'm thinking of the, the Grammys right now or the Emmys or whatever that satanic strip show was just playing the other day with Sam Smith. It's like... As that starts to permeate our culture totally through, our cost is going to become greater and greater when we go, no, I don't want any part of that. But you know what? What, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Nothing. You see, the reason God's word is called the good news is because even though it makes evil hate us, even though it comes with tremendous self-sacrifice and self-discipline and dying to self, it is the good news because it ends with the Lord. There's one road to lead that leads to heaven. There are a thousand that leads to hell. Jesus said, enter, enter by the narrow gate in Matthew 7, for the gate is wide and easy is the way that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus later said in Luke, uh, Luke 13, strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. We are living in a world that is at enmity with the king. But the good news is, is the good news. <laughs> that if we are to receive the good news and, and, and are to have a, a healthy fear of the Lord, 
and are aware of his judgments and live a life glorifying and worshiping him, then yes, we will receive hatred from the kingdom of darkness. But may we... <laughs> we will be hated. But let us... In these moments where we count the cost and we say, Jesus is my pearl of great price. I am willing to sell everything if I can have him. And if you have made that decision, you know, I, I, know, I know there's some theological holes in the song, uh, but I love, I love that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back, no turning back. I love that song because there's a sense, right, that we need to be resolved in following the Lord. Yes, God keeps us. Yes, the Spirit keeps us. Yes, the Spirit pulls us to that decision. Absolutely. But there's also a sense of the human responsibility of receiving the gospel. And we have to be unflinchingly uncompromised. And count the cost and say, I choose Jesus over everything else. What's that old saying? Give me liberty or give me death. Give me Christ or give me death. I choose Christ. And so I, I was thinking about how to end this today. And I was thinking of Paul's words in Philippians 3 verse 8. I indeed count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. How awesome is that? For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish. That word in the Greek there can literally mean poop. I count them as poop in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, because like him, in uh, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray, huh? God, we love you. We 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 thank you. We we, we want to honor you with our lives. Let us help us to bless you, God. Let us speak highly of you at all times. Let us regard your name as holy, for you are holy. God, we pray that you help us to be faithful messengers. Help us to count the cost and let us be all in for you. Be with us now, our Lord and Savior, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. I hope the, the uh, screen share didn't put most of you to sleep, but I think this seven angel thing is so fascinating. Uh, the, the, the messenger thing, uh, which again, I, I cannot figure out how an angel could talk to Jesus like that. And again, so... I don't know, something to chew on as we, we make our way here. Anyways, I love you all. God bless. I'll see you later. Thanks for joining us for this Calvary Baltimore B-Side. If you'd like to get in touch or come visit us at Calvary Baltimore, our website is calvarychapelbaltimore.org. You can email us at calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
If you've been blessed by today's teaching and would like to donate to the work that God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. Until next time, as Pastor Josh says, study the Word, to live the Word, to share the Word. And join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore B-Side.